0: The Restless Midlifer Podcast. Get health, weight and life back on your terms. Hi, welcome to episode 99 of the podcast. We're almost at 100 and next week I have a special episode just to celebrate that fact and have a load of guests, past guests from previous episodes coming along to share one to two minutes food for thought, a tip, an idea, a reflection, a challenge. Something that you can take away for the week, and consider to mull over, etc. And for me, it's a chance to celebrate and acknowledge the fact that we've made it to 100 episodes. And hopefully there'll be a lot more than that, maybe 200, 300 400 who knows. But for now, that's the landmark, so looking forward to that one. This week, I'm going to share with you a food for thought around um, the challenge of knowing what to do, but not doing it when it comes to health goals, etc., and I'll come on to that very shortly. But we've got a great interview today with a friend of mine who I've known for a lot of years, uh, Stu McGiven. Now, Stu has uh, a great wealth of experience and a really down-to-worth approach and view on life and work. And we explore a number of things. We explore, you know, uh, Stu's story in terms of growing up and the work that he's done and and, and how he approaches it and shares some real nuggets of wisdom there. Um, but we also explore um, a health challenge and, and the fact that Stu at, uh, at a particular time had a heart attack um, uh, a number of years ago and... The, the lessons learned, if you like, from that and the things that he wants to share around that I think is really uh, important. So I won't steal the thunder of the interview. Great interview, check it out. Um, and uh, let me know your thoughts at dave at restlessmidlifer.com for that. But for now, my food for thought. I know what I need to do. I'm just not doing it. Now that's that's something that I've done myself and found myself saying to myself so many times. And it's something I've come across in lots of conversations, whether it's with prospective clients or coaching clients, as we're working through the journey. This is such a common thing because I think and it, it gets down to the essence really of what I how I approach supporting my clients and working with people, is that I think most of the time we know really what the essence of what we need to do is. You know, there's a lot of information out there about diets, this, exercise, that, etc. But when it comes down to it, most of us have a grasp of the basics and the core. And therein lies the challenge, because we have the grasp of the basics, so why are we not doing it? now? This is the thing, because the challenge is that we beat ourselves up, we start to criticize ourselves, and we start to get really hard on ourselves for not doing what is blindingly obvious, or what everybody else says I should do, or somebody such and such seems to be doing really well. But what I want to sort of highlight is that that is such a common phenomenon. I know what to do, so why aren't I doing it? And it's the, for me, it's the what's wrong with me fallacy that idea that it's me that's wrong, I'm wrong because it works for such and such, it works over there, everybody else seems to be doing it right but me. That is a fallacy because the problem is everybody is in an individual situation and those that are successful haven't taken something lifted straight off a book, I'm pretty confident, and translated it into their life. They've tweaked, they've changed, they've found what worked and they've probably made some key decisions about what other things to drop and in order to prioritise, they've made some difficult decisions. The challenge that we have or that any one of us have in this position is how do we step away from that self-damage, that that self-criticism that is getting in the way? Because it's noise. It's noise in the system again. That self-sabotage is getting in the way of us working out and working on what really we need to do. So here's the thing. When I talk about self-compassion, I'm not talking about something fluffy. When I'm talking about being kind to yourself, I'm not talking about being soft on yourself. What I'm talking about is a pragmatic approach to getting rid of the things that get in the way of you getting to where you want to go in relation to your goal or goals. Because one thing that is sure, self-sabotage, self-criticism, the the cruelty that we can push and direct at ourselves, does not help, it gets in the way. In fact, it does more than not help. It hinders, it undermines, it breaks and eats away at your resolve, your motivation, and anything, any sort of inclination you have to work towards a goal. So that self-sabotage that arises out of what's wrong with me? Why am I the only one who's gonna get it right? I know what to do, what am I, why am I not doing it? That self-sabotage is a problem that gets in the way. So self-compassion and kindness, yes it is, nice, it's good, it's really important, but it's not soft and fluffy. It's essential that we park it to then get on with what we need to do. So, if you find yourself asking that question, um, you know, what's wrong with me? Everybody, I know, everybody else seems to be getting it right. Oh, I know what to do, I'm just not doing that. I try, but it's not happening. If you find yourself asking those kinds of questions, then what I want you to do is start to flag those questions with yourself. Flag the self-sabotage, self-cabotage as I call it, with yourself so that you start to realize and catch yourself in the act. The challenge is that we do a lot of this unconsciously or subconsciously, without even consciously noticing or thinking it, it grinds away at us without us noticing. And what we need to do is flag that so that we see that as a signal and a sign that we are doing things that are getting in the way of where we want to go. If we strip away all the fancy stuff, the fluffy stuff, that's the bottom line. Self-sabotage, these kinds of questions, get in the way of moving to where you want to go in relation to your goal. So if you can use that to catch yourself, the next thing is then to start to work out, okay, so what is going on that is leading to me not being able to move in the direction of my goal or to carry out the things I know I can do or need to do? because that's a better answer, that's a better question, rather. The challenge is, or the reality is, that everything we do makes complete and utter sense if we step back and take a look at the context, the context of your life, the things that you are juggling and doing, the work that you're taking on, the things that you're not saying no to, the things that that you are um, feeling obliged to out of a people-pleasing drive, whatever it is, it makes perfect sense when you step back and look at the big picture of what you are juggling. If you imagine the cabbages that you're carrying around, all those demands, the internal and the external, all of those things are weighing us down. But more than that, they're draining us of energy, they're sapping our motivation, and distracting you from moving towards the goal. So th- that's the key part, is to, s- to use those as a flag, to then recognize the context of your life. And once you can spot, right, where am I expending my energy? Because you are strong. You've been strong and incredibly strong for a long, long time. The challenge is using that strength in the right direction, to the right extent. So it's about looking at what do I need to put down? What am I need, what do I need to stop doing? And start focusing on that, rather than focusing on the goal. Because often, when we start to just look at right, what am I taking on? Do I have to really be doing that? Why am I doing this? And is it because I always do it or always have done? Or is it being driven by that people-pleasing need? Because any of those drivers need a little bit of attention. And it's not about all or nothing. If it's about backing out of a commitment in, a, in a, an honourable and an ethical way, then that's okay to do. And it might take a little bit of time. You might have to fulfil something. But it's about learning to, to say no or to at least delay saying yes until you've had a chance to rationally think. So there's a lot in this, but what I want to do is focus on that question that we tend to ask ourselves or the, the punishment we meet out to ourselves when we find that we're not doing what we know we need to do. It's okay. Permission to be human. It's because there will be some other reasons within the context of our life. So I'll use those as the thing to signal it, you then take a look at the context of your life and look for an opportunity. One thing you can put down, one thing you can do to recharge your batteries, one commitment you might be able to step away from, something like that. Within that, to give yourself the space to then build in the things you believe or know you need to do in small sprout-sized chunks. Because again, there may be a lot that you need to do, but you don't need to do it all at once. We take one thing at a time, embed that, and move it on. So that's the key thing for today. So have a think about that. Have a think about that That phrase that you might ask yourself. What? How does that show up with you? Because I think most of us do know what we need to do. It's the challenge of doing it. And what we tend to do is beat ourselves up for not doing it. Instead of that, park that. Give yourself a break. Look at the context. See what you put down. And pick back up something small that moves you in the direction of your goal. So, hope you found that useful. Uh, let me know any thoughts at Dave at RestlessMidlifer.com. But for now, on with the interview. Take it. Okay, well, thanks am you. It's great to have you along. And uh, I know we've been talking about this for a little while, so it's good to have you uh, in conversation. Do you want to tell the, the listeners a bit about yourself, and then we'll get into the, some of the things that I want to touch on with you? Yeah. Uh, thank you for having me on, Dave. Huh?
1: Uh, we well, have spoke before, but uh, normally on the, on the phone. So thank you very much for, for having me. Um, I'm a 58 year old guy from Gateshead, East Gateshead to be precise. And uh, I've got uh, three grown up daughters. Um, I've been working since 1980, started when I was 16. So I've been working, this be my 43rd year of work. I've always worked in the Northeast, which is like sort of like my favourite place. Yeah. I've done a little bit of travelling with work. Um, European travel, been to Japan, stuff like that. Spent a, a lot of my time around automotive, although there was a little life before automotive. Uh, and uh, I'm working with automotive now. I'm not actually in automotive, but I'm supporting automotive. Um, so that, that you know, I'm, I'm I'm a guy that's always sort of worked. Uh, I'm. I think I'm. I know quite a lot of people in the in in the the industry. And, I, and I've worked at the RDA, Nissan, um, Rock Chapman's, um, I've worked at Crabtree of Gated. I've worked for a consultancy, I've worked for myself, I've worked for a cluster. So I've had quite a bit of a varied sort of life so far. Can <laughs> you?
0: yeah and i think we met oh god i can't remember how many years it was 10 plus years something like that ago when um
1: quite a while back.
0: yeah you consultancy then if i remember rightly would that be about right you were yeah yeah yeah
1: We had a, we, we, i came out of working for a company called pa consultant who were running the uh project in the northeast, the mars northeast project and um I decided to, to to have a go at my own business uh, with a, a, a good friend of mine, Barry Rogerson, uh another good guy, Tim Cummins. We got together and uh, we we sort of uh, tried to do a, an innovative and tailored product productivity solutions. Uh, that's what we used to do. But I was, I was a bit of an anti consultant, to be honest with you. I used to turn up in my old mule car and. You know, like, I wasn't really what I'd call a consultant. I'd say to people, well, you know, if we, we can't help you doing that. And then they wanted us to help them even more, which is strange, isn't it? When you're sort of honest with people, say this isn't really our bag, but we can have a look at it if you want to. Oh, I would love you to have a look at this. So it. So it's a strange sort of thing, you know. We, we turned down quite a lot of work yeah. um, for reasons that it just didn't feel right or it wasn't really the right thing to do. So it, we're quite... Consultants get a bad name, but uh, I think we're pretty fair. You know, we're we're, we're okay. You know, but uh, a lot of local companies helped us, and I'm I'm very grateful for that. I still keep it in touch with people now who, who who did help us. You know, yeah, because
0: it's, it's I think you're right. It in terms of consultants, it gets a bad name, um, but you know. <clears throat> Over the years now in business, particularly having met lots, the, the vast majority, not all, but the vast majority are uh, experienced, got a lot to offer, and work really well with clients in whatever. I think what you said there is about sometimes when you set up in business, sometimes if you're not clear about what you can and can't do, what you can offer or will offer, yeah, then you can sometimes take on work that isn't really in your wheelhouse because you feel like you need the work, you <laughs> know. So I think that's an important point, isn't it? You know. I mean, the, the, the best thing i ever
1: done uh, was sit down with a guy called Zainal Baddick, who's a good friend of mine, and he sat down and basically we we come up with what was on the back of a business card. And it right. took me took three days to do that. You know, what do you actually do? Yeah. Which sounds really sort of like a, an easy thing, but when you start looking at it, it we come up with t- um, innovative and tailored productivity mm-hmm. solutions so if it wasn't innovative and it wasn't tailored to you and it wasn't linked to productivity normally used to say well that's not we don't do that um not to say we didn't end up doing other stuff if people want us to but we we had a very clear uh mindset of what we done Mm. and, and and who we wanted to work with and it's amazing how many people i meet in business Who's you know? Who haven't got that one liner on in the back of the card? You know what do you do? And it's it's a great way of just really thinking about what what you are you know to the marketplace, or to the marketplace who you are, and what do you want to do? You know, I think it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, it is. I think it's. I mean, there's a lot a lot of
0: people, you know, in terms of business, a lot of people setting up businesses and starting businesses. Um at any given time aren't there? and then there's obviously the failure rates are quite high Um, but for me as a, as a mid-lifer I think many people will who are in work start to think about things like how do I get out of this and perhaps setting up a business can feel like the right thing but I think you're right it's that well okay yes it might be part of the escape plan but exactly what is it what am I trying to achieve all of that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah yeah and, and, and to be honest it also depends on on who you set up with and what, what, what you've got. I mean, I had to, McGiven given Limited, had to bring a certain amount of money in. Probably, well, a, bit, probably a bit like Algeo Limited. Yes. And, 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 if, and if you don't bring that amount of money in, it can be very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why after three and a half years, um, which I would encourage anybody to do it, if, the, if they can do it. Right. Because uh, you learn a lot. It's like doing a it, like degree. You know, that, that three and a half years was like doing a, a degree, learning about business, but learning about myself. Yeah. Um, but, but I needed more. I needed more cash. Not, right. not that I'm a greedy guy. It's just I had three, three daughters all so getting to university kind of level. Your hand's never out your pocket. And I needed an amount of money. Yeah. But then I needed a job that gave us a bit of flexibility and allowed me to do what I do. And I think the job I'm doing now... Gives me that flexibility too, and the, and the interest, which, uh, which is wonderful. Um, but if you've worked for yourself and then you, you suddenly go back into the, into the mainstream working job market and you get a pay every month, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Yeah. And I would, re- I would recommend that. You know, yeah. when people are saying, I'm having a bad day or I'm having a bad week or I hit me a bloody job, go and work for yourself for a while. And after three and a half years, you might go, "Wow, every month I get paid. Isn't this wonderful?" So there you go. So that's that's one of the learning things that, that that I would encourage people to do. But I think there's probably a lot of lot of companies out there. Uh, again, um, you, you know, I meet a lot of people. I think, well, I, I don't get what you're doing. Maybe it's because I'm a baby boomer. Maybe it's because I'm I'm wired in a different way, but. If people cannot really articulate what they do very quickly, it's gone. Mm. You know, it, it, it's gone. You, you only get a couple of chances. Yeah. yeah. It, you know, and, and, and sometimes people say things about what did they actually just say? I don't understand what they're saying. So if I don't understand what they're saying, I really am getting up. Or they're not explaining
0: themselves properly,
1: right. or something else yeah yeah
0: so you know when you because you there's a couple of transitions there I mean you were in work and then you set up a business what what prompted mm-hmm. you to move into business because because this is a challenge I think many have but certainly from my perspective when I was in the police I, I kind of realized after about seven years this isn't for me what am I going to do and the, the business idea or, or not the business the idea of the business but having a business had always appealed to me right from college days when we had to set one up in our yeah. BHN OND it was um, mm. Sort of business. So we set up one selling boxer shorts on the marketplace when we were fifteen. Mm. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. And it, it always stuck with me this idea of oh, I would like to do it. Mm. But doing it, as you say, moving from something secure, well paid that you know almost handcuffs you in, to the uncertainty was a biggie. And I was a bit naive. I was a lot naive. Let's be right. Particularly the first time round. What about you? What was your decision process? Because I think for many, it's it's how. I'm feeling trapped, or crushed, or lost in my life, or a bit of direction. It doesn't always mean it's the job's fault or the job's issue. There's lots of other things, but often that's where people will look and think, "Right, I want something more." Mm. But the security can often tie you in or make you feel as if you're tied in.
1: Mm. Mm. No,
0: I've, I've been I've been very lucky to have uh, to 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 move jobs. And
1: when I was at Nissan, uh, I moved jobs every three years. and I've got loads of loads of experience there. Yeah. of you know, great great business for from a learning perspective. But when when you're talking about transitioning to working for myself, um the difference one of my the one of my philosophies is the difference between a good job and a bad job is who you report into. Right, yeah. You're yeah. gonna have a really crap job and a great boss and it's great. Yeah. But you're gonna have a really great job and a bad boss, and it's hard work. So 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 I would say I've come across many different kinds of work and practices. When I worked for a large consultancy, uh, maybe times have changed, but in those days it was, um, remuneration was everything. Mm. You know, you spent lots of time talking about bonuses. It bored me to death. Bored me to death. Everybody's on a bell curve. You've got to get... You know, get rid of ten percent of the staff, or ten percent of the staff. I've got to go through this sort of like you know process of potentially losing the jobs, and I just didn't like it at all. To be honest with you, it just didn't really appeal to my my sense of fairness or, or anything. So I already thought, I thought, well, oh, this isn't for me, and mm-hmm. and, I, and I ended up doing that because the project I was working for got transferred over to a consultancy, and the, you know, don't get me wrong, they they done everything that they needed to do as an for employees but it was just that was it everything everything was about money um the change in some people i worked with was unbelievable when we started talking about bonuses I, I was i was i remember going to the first meeting and there's only a couple who said we don't want to work with a bonus scheme okay. i didn't want to i didn't want to work with the bonus scheme. i don't like them i think they um they encourage the wrong kind of behavior and uh, it ends up in a in a in a in a, in a bun fight. So I knew I didn't want to go down the big uh, the, the 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 big consultancy uh, uh, sort of uh, route. Um, but then um, I thought I thought okay, I'll uh, and I was in, I was sort of, I mean I wasn't I was in the in the management team and I thought well I'm gonna I'm gonna leave the management team for a year and I'm gonna build my network back up with an idea to to go on my own. And the reason I wanted to go on with own was primarily just to try it, right. and it's it's strange, and I don't know whether it's, uh, you know, people, yeah, There's loads of books on attraction, you know, power of attraction and serendipity and all this kind of stuff. But the guy who I ended up working with the most, I remember, I told him eleven years before I said I'll end up working with you. Yeah, just and it just so happens he was the other one of the other people I put his hand up and said I don't make like bonus schemes. Mm. So between we 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 had we were trying to do the right thing, um, and uh, you know and, and you know different sort of background. He didn't have any children, or you know, for whatever reason, but he didn't have that financial problem I did. And all these things come out when you when you're working with them. But uh, I still still keep in touch with him. He's a great guy called Barry Rogerson. And uh, he's a great guy and very clever bloke. Uh, so we could, between, we, we could, um, we're both trained at the same sort of level uh, when I've done continuous improvement for the RDA. Uh, but he was an engineer. I mean, I'm not an engineer. I'm a guy that has worked in commercial who sort of done productivity. And then I've done some proper, good quality productivity trainer. Hmm. But he he's a proper engineer. And I think the, the the word engineer is um, a word that people just use now, and they go, mm, "I'm an engineer." Think, mm, I'm not sure you are, you know, you know, uh, you know, you know the time served, experiential, analytical, mm. problem solving engineer. The word that we weight Good. when you uh, when you're trying to solve a problem, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, plus he, used to, he used to love his licorice paper rollies, you know. So we'd go to these jobs and he'd say, I'm away for a smoke. And we'd be sitting there with heads with our and my hands, saying, Oh, how are we going to solve this? It's like a ritual, some kind of like samurai ritual, you know. And he's sort of like molding the cigarette. And he's saying, About 10 minutes, and he'd always come back with an answer. <laughs> it was if he cleared his head. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he'd come back. And uh, plus, he also used to smoke in the smoking uh, place with everybody who were on the shop floor who really know what's going on, and the intel he used to get was unbelievable. So these kind of it was the you couldn't imagine a consultant just sort of like said, so "I'm going to roll a cigarette and have it," you know, sit outside and talk to the talk to the lads and lasses. Yeah. So that's the kind of sort of stamp he was. So so it was it was to try it out to see what it was like, and I would say. On in on the whole, very enjoyable. Very enjoyable.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I think this this is the thing about uh, many of us. We, we go through life, perhaps fall into jobs and roles. I certainly bimbled. I like to use that word, bimble, into the police. <laughs> bimbled into the job because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I still don't know what I want to do. Not exactly. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to grow up, but I'm still working on it. But, um, no, I think... I think that you often put these things to one side. the the the, the running of the business for me, mm-hmm. playing an instrument, being this, doing whatever whatever they are. And I think it's the opportunities then to sort of say, right, well, do I do this and 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 do a follow. up And from from your perspective, you've done it. Then you went back, but you to to employment. But you've tried. I mean, what was the worst that could happen? Well, you went back and got a job. But you gained so much from that period of time that it helped your ear shape the kind of job you want, as in shape, what you wanted from a, a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, yeah. you had a lot of learning to bring to it, I guess. Yeah, the, the, the job I'm doing
1: now is a very unique job. It didn't exist until yeah. 2015 when they set up uh, the Northeast Automotive Alliance. And I'm, I'm, I've spent some time at Nissan Then I've done a lot of other stuff. So it, it's like, it's like a, quite a unique job because no, no week's the same. Hmm. I deal with big companies. I deal with small companies. I deal with people like Nissan, and I just went to see a little company called. Uh, I'll put it. I'll put a plug in for uh, Reg Morton at Acer. Uh, he's He's got Acer Design, and he's got some, uh, uh, you know, engineering kind of kind of establishment. I went to see him today, and those are the kind of people when you meet. Although you get a lot of intel from the big boys, the real grassroots stuff's really interesting. I like I like working with SMEs and. Yeah. But trying to help them just shape an idea of what they want to do or if they've got a problem, can we help them fix it? Or if they want to to market? can we help them establish it? So it's, it's sort of a, it, it's a bit like a, a, a very interesting knowledge kind of role I've got. I'm, I'm very, very uh, blessed to have it, to be fair, because it's, it doesn't exist anywhere else.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's always an element. Look, there's a, it's kind of being in it to win it, isn't it? You you make your look, you kind of get into, um, you, you give the business a go, then you look around and you think. And, and for me, I, I, that, you talk about the, the monthly pay. That was the biggest thing because I left the police twice. Um, first time, the first when the fifteenth of the month came around and nothing dropped into my account. I knew I knew that that was going to not gonna, you know wasn't going to happen, but it was still a strange feeling. And then a year, the most stressful of my life really had to face facts and go back. So I went back to be p- and part-time then. First-time. Oh, thank you. Um, and boy, did I really appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You I mean, you, you, you gradually, uh, over the years, as I was, because I was shaping the business, I, start, I realized this, this is why I left, because it's <laughs> not me and, and stuff. But what kept me probably a bit longer was the comfort of that wage. And so, and I'm not knocking it because it was it was really important at the time, you know, to pay that as I built the business up. Um, But yeah, I certainly appreciated that. So I, I, my second time of leaving, it was the final. Right, I'm not going back, etc. But I did it. I feel like I did it better the second time
1: around.
0: (laughs) Right, right, right. And are you from a are you from a family
1: of policemen?
0: No, no, no. I like I say, i bimbled into it it was one of those where I I was in a, a marketing job um that again I kind of got because I thought well I've done a business qualification I'll just do that and was pretty bored stupid to be fair and I was looking at anything um and police occurred <clears throat> to me one day I said to me mum I, I think I'll join the police or I'll apply to join the police and she said well you lose all your friends <laughs> <laughs> and um and that was it, joined and didn't lose all my friends, gained some great ones as well. And, uh, you know, obviously the rest is history. Yeah,
1: uh, I'll sidetrack a little bit, but there was a, a, a guy who was like a father figure to me called uh, Michael Dunning. He was six foot six inches high, and lived in the council estate, in the police houses up in uh, Liam Lane, where I'm from. Mm. Middle of the miners strike, he could still stand in the local, the local boozer and have a pint. Mm. When you know it was a quite an interesting time that when you well, know he, the, he was part of the community and the community actually respected them. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 that's that's just that just that that I don't know whether it's the working class thing or the we're all in it together, but we're actually all all in it together. And by the way, this guy is a policeman, but he's one of us because he lives with us. Uh-huh. And, and he, he could write a book. He's unfortunately he's dead now, but he could write a book of some of the things he sorted out on the estate um, on the on the QT, you know. And, yeah. and and that and I just think, you know, the 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 whole the whole the world's changed, has not it? Oh
0: yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the challenges, isn't it, particularly with mental health and well and stuff is the breakdown yeah. of traditional communities Could yeah, you know, their faults, but what they did have was a lot of social support and really that was protective. massive yeah. massive uh, absolutely. massive massive uh, speaking of uh, i mean one of the things that um we've we've talked about which i was i was surprised when you told me about it out shocked actually was um in terms of your health you had uh, you experienced heart attack a few years back do you want would, would you mind just sharing that because for me this is also this comes with this the midlife thing when we start to look at is this it this one i'm working for you have to kind of take the positives with the negatives and look at the Hey, I'm I'm working progress, Dave. I'm 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 yeah. working progress, you know, like everybody else.
1: Yeah. Um it's quite a strange one because the the, the the reason I ended up doing the reason I ended up going to a day release at the time. When uh you know when you when you worked you used, to do, you used to you know, you'd you'd go to a night school or one night and a day release and and when my me, me dad died at seventeen. When I was 17, he was 57. Totally destroyed me. You know, so I often think, think now these, these poor people who are involved in either, either conflicts or natural disasters, you know, they, they say, oh, well, it's 39,000, I don't know what it is 30, you know, 40,000 people have died. Mm-hmm. But you've got so many survivors who have maybe lost the key breadwinner and and that that is a mental trauma that that, that you never ever get over mm. you learn to accept it mm. you know but you know, you don't get over it mm. so that so that started so from a very young age uh, uh, i knew <laughs> i knew very very young, you know very very young that i thought all oh, right nothing lasts forever my best mate's gone what am i gonna do now My mother's uh you know losing her mind and me my brothers go off the rails. Well welcome to my world. But as things, as as you sort of, you know, get in get into life and do one thing, one thing, blah, 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 blah. Suddenly you're in your fifties. And uh, I was fifty-six. And uh, I had what they call a widow make a heart attack. It's a, it's 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 name it's got that name for a reason. Um, And it's the wrong blockage and the wrong artery, which is a big artery. It's the left anterior descending artery. I know that because I've researched the subject because that's the way I think. I like to understand the details. And at wrong place, wrong time, depends where you look on facts, it's got a 6% survival rate. If you're out of a hospital setting, it can rise to 20%. If you're in a hospital setting, and I survived by basically sitting me away from having a heart attack. You need to ring nine nine nine. and it was in COVID, right. and uh, and uh, I thought, oh, this is it. and I was very, I was very calm. I'm probably more, I was more calm then than I am now. Talking to you, it was <laughs> like it was, it was like sort of a, it was like a fatalistic attitude. I was sitting there thinking, oh, if this is it, Oh, wow, on me in an ambulance, wow. And the guy, everybody just keeps saying, You look well. And I said, I don't feel well. And everybody just keeps saying, You look well, you look well. They'll actually observe in case I crashed. I didn't realize I didn't realise that at the time. Then finally this um Geordie fella in a van, he says, Don't worry, buddy lad. If you die in the van, I'll bring you back to life. And that's what I, and that's when I started really getting worried. <laughs> Because he'd, he'd, he'd sort of like done what he needed to do with the ECG, he thought, oh my god! And then it it was just like a, a pit stop at the um, it uh, the Freeman absolutely, you know, you you know you you see pit stops and you know you do see a lot of changeovers on machines on shop floors. It was the best best organisation I've seen. Although I did have a little bit of morphine in it. I was like, you know, arm oh, down, bang. Who are you? Bang. Who are you? blah 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 right. Bang, you're done. Do you want to see what we've done? Yeah. No blood flow. Blood flow. Oh, thank you very much. Dispatch you into a little room and then everybody's dead happy. It's called Survival's Euphoria. All right. Loads of old blokes in the room going, we survived, we survived. It was just a crazy couple of days. I should have wrote a comedy sketch about it. I was in for two days and you've got all these really happy people because they've survived. And they're living on the nerves a bit. It was like it's like that. So I was very, very lucky. Um, and I'm still dealing with that, to be honest with you, because I, I didn't see it coming. Mm. Uh, the cardiologist said genetics is number one, lifestyle is number two. You probably had your your father probably had the same, but you don't smoke, and three of your three of your other daughters are clear. Well done. But they just dispatch you like you've had a tooth out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, oh, well, you could have died. See you. <laughs> and that's the problem. You go about, and you go, ah. I think I had two weeks off work and I still have my moments So I'm going, bloody hell. This is a bit mad. Because then they put you on a standard medication, you know, for everybody. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether you're big, small... Male, female, whatever. You get the standard amount of, of, of tablets. So, I'm I'm probably struggling at the moment with the tablets I'm on. I need to probably I'm, I'm do a review, and they sort of slow you down a bit and that. But I'm drumming tonight in the band, so I'm still feeling a bit tired, but I'm still trying to do me drumming and that. So, it. Uh, I'm a very lucky man. I'm a very blessed man, and uh, although it's it, it, it's work in progress. So I think anybody who's had a heart attack will tell you that it's not, you know, you don't just have a heart attack. And, yeah, yeah, you know, it's it, it you've got to you've got to live with it. You've got to you've got to yeah. conquer it. You've got to conquer it. Um, you've got to be aware of it. You've got to accept it. Um, and that's in your fifties. It's like it, it, the research I've done is it's like. Uh, You know, you get to a certain age in a developed country, but there's a massive spike in the 50 to 60 with blokes.
0: Right.
1: Massive. Right. So if you can survive that 50 to 60, you've got a good chance. Right.
0: It's like a real spike. Yeah. What what is it then, do you think, that you said, obviously you had no warning, no clue. It was just, you know, it happened. Is its it... I mean, you said the doctor said genetic, lifestyle, etc. But is there that, that something about that period of life for many of us? Do you think? I I, I think we live in. I, I think
1: in your fifties, right? Let's let's be honest. You know, you don't see many fifty-year-old cars on the road, do you? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, when, and when you think of what you, when you think of what your body does, yeah. Even the heart, you know. The, the amount of blood it pumps and everything, you know, and and you just look at your lifestyle. Whether you've had a, I mean, yeah, yeah, people go, well, I've had a healthy lifestyle. Ah, right, okay. So you never went out on a weekend, right? Okay. Oh, I did. Uh, you never yeah. had that kebab. Oh, yeah, I did. Right. right, okay. You didn't have that big meal. All right, I did. Right. right. And when you start, it, it builds up over time. You know, the the whole thing. You don't. The the start of a heart attack, or, well, you've got to be careful with heart attacks because most people have got the wrong information. You know, it's a coronary. It's a, it's a, it it, it, is a, a blocking of the arteries. Mm. It's called a heart attack. It should be called a blocking of the arteries attack. Mm. It's not wrong with a heart. mm. It's the pipework and oxygen to a heart. But that builds up from your teenage years. Yeah. So it's, it's, and, 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 yeah, you can be fit in your fifties, no two ways about it. But chances are, if you're brought up in the northeast of England or in a western society, you'll have plaque on your arteries. Mm. In the same way, you might have grey hair. You know, in the, in the same way that you know, you know, the other things, you might have a bad knee because you've done so much sport or whatever. It is part and parcel of it, but it's a bit of a shock, you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think that's part of it because the conversation, you actually prompted me, and it was a conversation with you and, and um, a friend of mine from the CrossFit, Dave, who's actually been on the podcast as well, that prompted me to get me, me numbers done, <laughs> you know, the last time we had a conversation, and actually they came in because, and I guess this is one of the things, because what we want is, I don't want to terrify people or get people really afraid about this. You know, it, age is what it is. It brings a lot of positives as well as the, the downside to ageing but it's about awareness and just not burying our head in the sand, you know, so are there things we can do just in advance right now, just to sort of get some checks to get our head into what I might need to do to to support my health going forward, you know?
1: Blokes are notorious at not um, going to the doctors. I've always went to the doctors, so one of the positive effects of my dad's we had a re- I had a bit of a laugh one one time. I went to the felon health center down in Felin. Or the felon, if you're from the felon, it's the felon. You drop the G.
0: <laughs>
1: and I went to the Healthy Man Clinic. And the Healthy Man Clinic was like, you know, you went and got your blood stoning. I always knew I had higher cholesterol. Mm. So, you know, kept an eye on it and diet, weight. And then I turned up one day and I went, Oh, you, you, I'm sorry, Stu, but you can't come anymore. I was alright, you're the only one coming. You're the only bloke that comes to the healthy man for me. For the shortest. So right. that, that, that tells you everything you want to know about, about about the way men look at their health, and then they play Russian roulette with, with, with tablets. So you get on a tablet. Oh, well, that. Oh, I can have that. About no, I'm on a statin. Yeah. New, 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 new. Mm. You know, or uh, I'm on this tablet. Oh, great, I can do this. It's the whole it's the whole sort of um, awareness piece yeah. and understanding piece. And most people don't really um, wanna go there. Yeah. Yeah. I've got I've got friends who have smoked since they were 14. They haven't had a heart attack. How do you think that makes me feel? <laughs> you know, you know, and, and have they've, they've drank like fish and still do. I don't want the guy to have a heart attack. He's a great mate of mine. I love him very much. But you just think, bloody hell, what's going on here? And that's the thing. That's the genetic piece. Um, So you've just got to be aware that, you know, I I would encourage anybody to... If you've got any kind of um, that kind of thing in your family history... Um. Then you owe it to yourself yeah, to do something yeah. if, 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 you know, because it's not a surprise, you know you, you are if you know you, you are a function of your mom and dad. Mm. you know your dad probably wasn't Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're, we're, just, we're just normal people, doing normal things, eating normal stuff, and that's the way it is but yeah. genetics has got a lot to play in it i feel like i've been mm, I, felt, I felt i felt very very sad for a while saying now ah, this is not really right but then the cardiologist said well your lifestyle saved you." right right yeah so that would be what i'd say to people just just get up and do something i mean we do con we do condition monitoring on machines you know you put sensors all over machines you know, in the in the automotive industry, see how efficient. are Just do a bit of condition monitoring on yourself.
0: Yeah, I think. I mean, this part of it. I suppose this is the public service announcement part of this. Is <laughs> to, to the doctors, whether you want me or not, whether you're, yeah. you. You talk about blogs, and I think you're right. I think typically, because I, I I was brought up to not bother the doctor unless you had five things. You know, you collect a few <laughs> things for the doctor. Now they make you make an appointment for each one now, but. Mm. <laughs> But, which which I understand because they've gone on block time, but I also you know know from talking to people that um, a, a couple of female clients who also struggle mm-hmm. when they feel like there's something not right to to face the fear, and part of that is how do you, you know obviously negotiating that, but accepting that the knowledge is the, the is the important bit, the awareness and just getting the facts, know where you stand, and, and then you can you've got options then if you've got a bit of knowledge, haven't you? So for me, that's the, I guess that's a public service announcement.
1: Part of the <laughs> you know? and I, I didn't really, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to talk about it. So, yeah. you know, but I haven't, I, I haven't really said much to anybody. um yeah. Apart from me close, uh, you know, people I work with and that, they know that's good. I haven't made a big announcement on LinkedIn, you know, oh. blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, um I just think... um it's very important. I think that it's sort, it's it, it's intertwined. Uh, getting older is intertwined with your mental health.
0: Mm.
1: You know, uh, it, it's part. It's accepting the unacceptable.
0: Mm.
1: That's what. You uh, of a guy called Eckhart Tully. He wrote oh, yes. the Power of Now. He's great. Oh, yeah. oh great, great guy. You you have got to accept the unacceptable.
0: That's a very, you know. You know? There, there's a statement because I think you're right. I've never I've not I've touched on a little bit of his stuff, um, but not read anything deeply. But that that's an impo- that is an important statement, actually. Mm. The unacceptable is something that as a un, you kind of can to an extent deny or ignore. You know, you, you have heavy
1: yeah.
0: weekends, you have a hangover a day, or yeah. you bounce mm. back. There's a lot of bouncing back from these things and mm. the body, mind, whatever is very forgiving. But as you get to, to certain decades in life, it doesn't get quite so elastic or springy, does it? No, no, no. I think, I think it's about, for,
1: for me, it, it, as I said, I'm working in progress. Every day, uh, a good friend of mine, he's a great guy, um, and I've only known him about five years, and he said to me, Stu, he says, do something for yourself every day. Hmm. Whatever that is. Whatever that is. Do something for somebody somebody else every day. Right. And do something for society every day. Oh, right. And right. I thought, what the bloody hell do you mean by that? And because we, we I go on walks. But yeah. Very few of my mates want to go on a walk. They all want to go on the they'd love to go on a beer for a long, you know, a big long beer session, but they don't want to go on a walk. Yeah. So I tend to I've migrated the people who like to go on walks. Yeah. So he said, "Well, take this for example. We're going for a walk. You see that old, you see that milk bottle that's blown out the bin that we've delivered. You know the recyclable stuff on there. It blew out of the bin. We'll pick that up. and We'll put it in the bin. So we're out doing a walk, which is something for ourselves, and we're picking something. Up. Not the yeah. You're not being a womble. You know that I'm not saying you go around picking everything. Up. Although there is some worldly wombles where I live. They do a bloody. They do a bloody good job. A lot of them are retired, etc." But just do something like that. And, and, even if, and even if you're feeling like S-H-T, still try and do something for somebody. I like that. I like you know, that. Just, just do something for some. Do something for yourself, though. Mm. So that could be, I don't know, it could be go for a walk, or it could be um, treat yourself to a 10-minute... A, a 10 minute relaxation thing or just stop doing what you're doing. Because this this working from home things just knackered at everybody. Absolutely everybody. When I used to look at productivity in offices, you know what I'd budget for work in an office? No. Yeah. Four hours. Right. Yeah. You know, somebody's brought the cakes in, somebody's having a party, you've got you're up and down meeting cups of tea. Somebody gets sidetracked. But from those side cra- side tracks come magic moments of synergy. I was talking to a bloke the other day. We remain nameless because I'm getting recorded. And I had a long discussion about him that he couldn't get away from his computer. He was stuck to his computer. He was waiting for a response because he works from home now. I said, "Stop that! Stop that! No, that's the wrong way." And I was working crazy before I had my heart attack. With this right. magnet called a computer. Yes, yeah. So, so you, you know, draws you back, draws you back. Things that would never bother you. Did they read me email? Yeah. Let's, let's find out, you know. Wouldn't have bothered yeah. before it becomes polarised. That yeah. hasn't helped people. That yeah. hasn't helped people's well-being, blah, blah, blah. So the other bit of advice is if you're in your 50s working from home, you're a knowledge worker. You're paid for what you know. You're an experienced person. You know you're not in a call center. You might be. It might look like a call center. Nothing wrong with call centers, but you're not like bang, 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 bang. That's not what it's about. It's effectiveness rather than busyness.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right because the fact that it's in the home as well. There's all the. It's there. It's easy and uh, you, you, uh, you, you don't switch off, And I think, you know, I like that, I like that approach is that we do one thing for yourself, one thing for somebody else, and then something for society. That's a nice... Not my idea. Oh, yeah, yeah, but uh, brilliant. A brilliant way to think about it. And uh, one of the things you mentioned, which is, uh, again, what we're talking about, uh, was that you took up the drumming again. Or you took up uh, drum... uh, Well, the, the first thing was I started drumming at 45. Again,
1: another one of these crazy moments. Uh, my boss at the time... A couple of years before, he'd said, would you like to do a PhD? And I said, no. He says, what would you like to do? I said, I'd like to play drums. That was an interesting uh, discussion. Bit of a, bit of, bit of st- stopped, stopped it in its tracks. Do you know what I mean? Stop the conversation in its tracks. And I wanted to p- play this boozer in Felon, which is renowned for its music. It's shut now, it's called the, the Duke of Cumberland. I wanted to play that bar. It was like one of these, like, I one day I will play that ball and I will be in a band. So I started drumming at forty-five. So I was pretty fit, you know. You've got to be pretty fit to be be rocking drums out. If you've got any drumming mates, anybody listens no, to this, yeah, 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 yeah. it's yeah. not it's not for the faint heartedly. It is, you isn't. You know, it, it's not. For the, it's and 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 that's another reason why I thought I've had a heart attack. What would have happened if I had a heart attack at the at the at the, at the last song at the, at the end of the gig? I would have went out like a blue light, you know. Do you know what I mean? boom! That, well, that's the end. Of, that's the end of the gig and the end of me. But I, you know, but at the end of the day, I love the drumming, and I do a bit of lyric. I do lyrics and stuff like that. So, it's, I, you know, it gives give you that, that aspects of stuff. But I, I, I love the drumming, and I, I would encourage anybody to, to to just if they've got any kind of urge, bloody do it. Yeah. So, I ended, so I ended up, I ended up playing playing that gig. I'm still playing drums. I still enjoy it. It's becoming bloody harder. It's becoming harder. I'm waiting for my leg brace to come from uh, Amazon across the road, you know, because I've got a dodgy right knee for that to be bass pedal. Right. Once once I get strapped up, I'll be all right. But we'll be carrying this on at the drum kit before. long. So I I just don't know how long it's going to last, but I would certainly recommend it. Uh, It's great for your mental health. Yeah. Yeah. Great, Great for your mental health. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's so I mean, it, it, drumming may not be your thing or somebody else's thing, but I think it's finding that thing that, that you want to do for me, getting back to the guitar. You know, whatever it is, it's it's fine that it's making that time because you get you said something, they'll have to carry me under the drum kit. But I mean, at least this is that the um the rocket chair test, you know. At least you can sit like in whatever decade, two decades time with the rocker, the blanket over your lap, looking back, rocking your chair, going, Yeah, pleased with that. I'm pleased I had a I'm pleased I went for that rather than I wish I had. I think,
1: knowing what I know now about drumming, and I'm I'm not a great drummer by any stretch of the magician, You got to start when you're about seven. <laughs> yeah, to be, <laughs> not not forty five. I remember t- I remember turning up and I said, uh, "Do you get any middle aged blokes who want to learn the drum?" Uh, "Lords mate, lords." Oh. Uh, was it what it was at the um, the the drum shop in Washington? Oh
0: yeah yeah yeah.
1: And I thought, uh, and I turned up. Oh, loads, loads of people, loads of people. And, but I stuck it out, you know. I stuck it out. I tend to stick things out once I commit to something. Um. So, uh, but you know, very, 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 very good. Met some wonderful people, and some crackers as well. But you know, it's all it's all part of the mix, you know. Yeah. And uh, we, we've actually got a, uh, we've got a, we've got an EP out called Moral Famine. So there you go, Moral Famine. Moral Famine, and it's good old fashioned sort of rock, punk, yeah. let's have a go at the system, you know, <laughs> Boris Johnson, all sorts of stuff like that, you know, let's have, have, a, let's have a go at it, let's, let's call people out, you know, let's, 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 let's make a noise. Yeah.
0: You know? yeah.
1: In, yeah. In, intellectual punk, I call it. <laughs> I
0: like that. I like that. No, I think-
1: and, and some of the punk stuff's very intellectual, to be fair. Yeah. It gets a bad name, gets a bad name, a lot of it.
0: Yeah, I've listened to it. It's it's a it's a good EP. Brilliant. I enjoyed it. Put it on the
1: background while I was doing a bit of work. Well, thanks for it. Thanks very much. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but again again just the little just little things like that. You go. Oh, I enjoyed doing that in the recording studio. Mm-hmm. you know, sounds great. But it's just wonderful. You know, just wonderful. Just don't know what else I'm gonna do. But we'll, I'm 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 still hanging on in there with the drums. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And for me, this is this is what it's about. And this is one of the reasons to have a conversation with you was because <clears throat> the the adventures you've had, I guess, in life and and the the health don't know if we call it a blip, but you know, that that the health issue and the fact you're still here, you're still positive, you're still, but you you are bringing that kind of what I think of of is the restless midlife spirit, that spirit of adventure and thinking, right, I'm going to do this and I I want to do this and have a go. And for me, that's that tapping back into it. So uh, I'm conscious of time, but um, it's been great to have a conversation. (laughs) Um, Really, I've taken a few things away from this, actually, as well. Firstly, I guess the public service announcement part is, again, is get yourself checked out, whatever it is get those bloods done. I know I did it, as I was saying, because you prompted me to do it. I had done it a few years back, which had prompted me on my own health journey because uh, my cholesterol was really high um, and had them done again. And thankfully, they're, they're well down. They've dropped right down into to safe areas because of a lot of work. Oh, that's good. That's but good. No, I wasn't sure until you our conversation prompted me to go, you know what? It's years. It's about time I did. So that that's my encouragement to do. Well, that's, well, that's, that's good. That's excellent. I like that idea of do something for yourself, do something for somebody else and do something for society. I think that's a great approach. And and find those things. Find those things that you, you look back on your rocking chair and you think, I'm glad I did that. And if you're cheesed off, still
1: try and do something good for somebody.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, don't take,
1: don't take the mood with you. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Because there's,
1: there's plenty to be miserable about at the minute. <laughs> but try not to take the mood with you, even if you're all having a bad day. Yeah and if anybody wants any if anybody i'm a great a great believer in 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 people um helping people so if, if anybody does see this the contact is or whatever if they've had a heart attack or if the or if they're not feeling great or it's always good to chew the code
0: yeah uh, it you is know,
1: you know it's there's not enough of that at the minute for people in the 50 to 60. Um. Uh, particularly in the COVID thing, you know, yeah. I've had if it wasn't for my wife and and great members of friends and stuff like that, you know, you're really really tough if you lived on your own and you you know you you you've been through a crisis crisis. Yeah, you know, it's it's not it's not nice, you know.
0: No, I think you're right. I think it's it, it's time for these kinds of conversations and then offer of, you know, somebody does want to connect. And on that note, I get, we'll put any contact details in the show notes, but if, um, how would somebody get in touch with you? Do you want them to get in touch through me, David, or. Anywhere? Yeah, that's,
1: that's, that's fine. Well, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, you know, um, happily if, if, if they see this and, the, you know, uh, you know, happily have a chat with them, you know. Cool.
0: Well, brilliant. Well, thank you for your time, Stu. It's been brilliant. Back, thanks to your you. <laughs> great. Thanks, Stu. Some great pearls in there as well. And yeah. uh, thank you very much. So I, re, I really um, appreciate it. That's good. And thanks for your time as well. And listeners, any thoughts, any feedback or questions, give me a shout at davidrestlessmidlife.com. You can hook up with Stu at uh, LinkedIn as well. All the details will be in show notes. But uh, we'll, for now, we'll catch you in the next episode. Take care. Thanks very much. Take care. God bless. Bye. <music> thank you for listening you'll find all show notes links and resources mentioned at midlifereshape.com forward slash podcast and it would mean so much if you could spread the word to your fellow restless midlifers share the show and links and if you aren't already subscribe to the show in your podcast feed of choice and one more thing if you enjoy the show it would be great if you could rate it by visiting midlifereshape.com forward slash review It would mean so much, and I may even give you a shout-out in return. And a quick final thanks to production assistant Karen North of North VA and for the music, which is called Silver Star, by the awesome Logan Nicholson of Music for Makers at musicformakers.com. Take care for now, and don't forget you really can reshape your midlife health and rekindle that spirit of adventure.